mai kākou e nā makamaka mai ka ākau a ka hema, mai ka hikina a ke komohana. E nāwe aku kākou i puna paia ala i kahala. Welcome to Kaleo o Kauluau. Aloha to everyone listening in as we embark on another exciting and educational episode of Kaleo Kauluau as we cross district lines from Hilo into Puna. E nāwe kākou. Let's go. Aloha, Drew. How are you? Mai kai. How are you, Lei? Mai kai novau. I'm ready to set out on our first foray into the Mokua Puna, and I hope you are too. This place is really special to us, and I think it has something to do with the fact that we live there too. Yes. Puna is very special indeed, and this episode marks our arrival in Puna Paia'ala Ikahala. This is a well-known saying that roughly translates as Puna, whose walls are fragrant with hinano blossoms. What a beautiful image. Mahalo for sharing that olelo noeo, that famous proverb, that poetical saying, that refers to the abundance and significance of the puhala, the hala tree in Puna. Today we'll be joined by Ryan McCormick, who will be sharing mo'olelo of Puna with us on this episode. Allow me to introduce him. Ryan is a longtime resident of Puna who's dedicated to the well-being of the native community and endemic environment and is a strong advocate for indigenous lifeways. Ryan is an uniki ailolo of Unukupukupu, having completed his formal rites of passage in Hula under the tutelage of Taupori Tangaro, and he's now kumuhula of his own halau, Maununu. Originally from Waimanalo on Oahu, Ryan's traveled far and wide on his Hula journeys, from Bali to Washington, D.C., and his academic journey took him to Stanford University in California and most recently to the Pacifica Institute to complete a master's degree in depth psychology. He's also embarked on personal ancestral journeys to Ireland. Ryan has served as an educator at Kuokala Charter School and also at Kalanihonua Retreat in Puna, and he's given so many workshops and presentations and performances for the Hawaii Island community. Ryan has worked at Hawaii Community College for many years, teaching classes in Hawaiian studies and history, and is known on campus for his deep knowledge of Hawaiian culture, mythology, ritual, and hula. And in 2020, he was recognized as the college's Outstanding Lecturer of the Year. Wow, mahalo, Drew. What an interesting and inspiring life our special guest has been leading. Let's go over to Ryan now to see what he has to share about Puna. Aloha mai e, Ryan. Pehea oi. Aloha mai kai. Mai kai. Au olivo, ke noho manei, me oko. Yay. Well, um, mahalo for joining us, my friend. It's a pleasure to have you here with us. Um, as we explore the many vahipana of Puna, there's a moku that has incredible resonance and significance for all of us here um, recording this podcast episode. You and I have had learning communities together that address the, the mythologies and, and mo'olelo and geographies of Puna. We've gone on huoka'i together in Puna. We've died kihei at the shoreline of Haena with our haumana, our students, um, together. And I've also had the privilege of taking a chant class with you at Hawaii Community College. That was wonderful. Um, there's so much more. At, and Hawaii Community College, um, you're constantly recognized um, for your expertise um, by your students and your peers um, as a dynamic and inspiring kumu. So we're really super excited to have you here. Oh, mahalo. I, prior to the 2018 eruption and the dramatic change of landscape that occurred, we all spent time at, together at Kumukahi during the equinox, chanting up the sun, you remember, and mm-hmm. then visiting Waiapele trekking to the top of Pu'ukapoho, and also giving our voices and offering hula to that vahi. Uh, Those are memories I will always hold dear. 
And it is always a treat to listen to you, Ryan, as you share Mo'olelo. So what will our story be today? Hold on, sorry. I'm <laughs> getting emotional thinking about <laughs> Kalua Vaya Pele and mm. um, some of those wonderful places that are now transformed, you know, mm-hmm. into something new. But uh, wonderful memories. Thanks for sharing. Um, yeah. So today I, I would like to um, take us into that wide region of Puna, um, but head Uka into the uplands and talk about a, a place called Ola'a which is a place uh, near to where I live, a place that's been important in my life. But yeah, in the uplands of Pune. Okay, so um, today I thought we would talk about a vahipana um, called Ola'a. And I love the fact that you guys are exploring vahipana, you know, for so many reasons. Um, And when you you asked me to think about vahipana to talk about, um, I was... First of all, a little hard-pressed uh, to think of something that I felt qualified to talk about because I'm I'm kind of malihini here. I've only been here about a dozen or so years. I'm from Ko'olaupoko on Oahu. Um, and there's a lot of other people who can tell you much, much more about Puna with much more of a lineage behind them. Um, but because I live uh, in the region of Ola'a-ish, and we'll talk about that in a moment, um, I thought, well, I, sh- I should talk about where I live. You know, what, what else do what else can I talk about but the place that I inhabit most frequently, you know, where I dream most often and where I grow my food and build my home and such um, and have my hula practice, as it turns out. That's where our halau is. So um, through living and through dancing and chanting and dreaming and creating, I've come to know Ola'a uh, or and the you know, adjacent areas of Ola'a you know, as well as I think I could in this short time I've been here. So as a Malihini, very much so, um, with some short time experience here, um, that's, you know, the foundation from which I'm sharing my knowledge and my experiences. But one of the things that's helped me to understand kind of what's going on in the region that I inhabit um, has been Mo'olalo and Ka'au. Turns out that Ola'a gets mentioned a lot. Um, And... In thinking about Vahipana, a lot of them are kind of like very specific places. You know, we can GPS and we can go to a particular point or a stone or a lie or a mauna. Ola'a as a Vahipana kind of intrigues me because it sort of defies boundaries in some senses, kind of defies definitions of Vahipana altogether. Well, and will kind of allow some Mo'olalo and a bit of Ka'au to help um, illuminate what I mean by that. Um, that it's not your typical kind of vahipana. When we say ola'a today, it, it has some clear modern boundaries as an existing ahupua'a, sort of in between Curtis Town and through Volcano. Um, those are areas we're familiar with today. But ola'a also refers uh, mythologically to a forested region that I think encompasses the ahupua'a of current day Ola'a and extends further. And so that's what I say when I live in Hawaiian Acres, uh, which is really kind of in that blurry boundary, not in the Ahupua'a of Ola'a as it is today, but certainly when the region that would have been perhaps considered part of the Ola'a forest. So Ola'a is both an Ahupua'a and kind of the larger forest of the uplands of Puna. That is to say, it is in many stories, the archetype of the forest. 
And um, we'll share more about that later. Let's start with some stories, though. So I don't really have uh, specific, concise stories um, for Ola'a. But like I said, Ola'a is mentioned in a lot of larger accounts, such as the story of Hi'iakaikapoli Opele. Um, very famously, at the beginning of her journey, Hi'iaka encounters a companion named Wahine Oma'o, who is Kanaka. She's human, and she's living in the Ola'a region. And she is somebody who um, offers ritual to Hi'iaka's older sister, Pele. And um, so this is sort of interesting anthropologically because it suggests that there's people living in Ola'a, specifically the kind of people that um, would be engaged in the ritual worship of Pele um, or the ritual engagement and relationship with Pele, I should say. Um, and that's atypical because most of the time people are living by the shore. Mm-hmm. So again, Ola'a sort of defies the typical... Um, definitions of a kauhale or a, a village settlement in that it is quite uka. Um, but anyway, so uh, long story, famous story, you know, well well recounted, um, but Hi'iaka is sent on an important journey by her elder sister, Pele. Um, and this journey is to take her from Puna, Hawaii, all the way to Puna, Kauai and come all the way back. And she's going there to fetch Lohi'au, who is, of course, the lover of her sister, Pele. Um, And we know that this journey is going to be uh, initiatory. And we're going to talk a little bit more about initiation, but it's going to change her. She's not going to be the same ever again. But an important part of that, of any sort of initiatory journey, I think, is identifying friends, companions, a, uh, a safe, secure uh, support network that's going to accompany you on this. Most of our great stories of transformation, there's good friends involved. So Wahine Oma'o is one of these companions that Hi'iaka encounters, and she encounters her in Ola'a right before she starts her journey. And um, growing up in Puna, Uh, Hi'iaka's transition into the region of Hilo is a crossing of a threshold that she has never crossed before. Um, So that is to say, Ola'a functions in this story as kind of a doorway. It's sort of the the end of the known world for Hi'iaka and the beginning of the unknown. And Hi'iaka's journey, as we know, is to persist through many forests. And it is really... primarily through forested regions that she's going to be tested, right? And she's going to be uh, put in contact with some deep inner resources. So Ola'a shows up in this long epic story, right? At this crucial part that sometimes in mythology we call a ha'alele. You know, it's a, a departure point. And that to me is a big clue not only into what is the function of Ola'a, but what is the function of forest in the sense that Ola'a and forest um, are quite synonymous as a doorway or as a departure point, both into the unknown, but also um, towards transformation, you know, towards potentiation. Because that we know, because we know the end of the story, Hi'iaka becomes a goddess, a goddess of healing and uh, regeneration of life. And it begins there. 
So it's a short little bit of a story, not a long story, just a part of a, of a bigger story. But I also think the name of her companion, Wahine Oma'o, is also really indicative um, in, of not just Hi'iaka's process and the fact that that's what she's going to become, right? The woman who brings green to the earth, but that the forest itself is also a doorway into that understanding that lies inside each of us, that more feminine understanding, that more green understanding that is more vegetative, more ecological, you know, uh, uh, more than human. And that is exactly where Hi'iaka is headed. And it begins in Ola'a. Okay, so another fairly well-known story that Ola'a is mentioned within is the story of La'ie Ikavai. And um, she comes from O'ahu originally, from uh, Ko'olaulo'a side, uh, Malai Kahana side. And long story short, she is brought for safekeeping by um, important um, kupuna to Ola'a, but not just anywhere in Ola'a, to a place called Paliuli. And going back to this idea that Ola'a kind of defies definition, um, Paliuli is not something that you can find on Google Maps. You know, it's, <laughs> it's a, a mystic place. You know, and there's many such places in mythologies around the world, but it's a place that only opens itself to certain people, right? And it's, it's a place that um, you can't necessarily go back to. Though we are in Ola'a, Ola'a is said to contain within it these places that are beyond... Uh, physical dimensionality, you know, they go beyond our definitions of vahipana. It's a vahipana that is not quite a vahi, you know, except at the right time, at the right place for the right person. And Lai'e Ikavai's beauty is such that it becomes told, you know, across the Pai Aina, across the archipelago. And so it's another epic story with lots of twists and turns, you know, an incredible soap opera. Um, um, and it also includes a smaller story of this one chief named Aivohi Kupua from Kauai. I'm not sure what it is about these Hawaii Island beauties and the Kauai Island chiefs that come or are sent for. Um, but yeah, Aivohi Kupua, similar to Lohiau, goes on a journey from Kauai all the way to this island. And many famous things happen along the way. But long story short, Though Laia Ikavai was really his intention, you know, he, he met her in dreams and they were so vivid, he was sure she was alive and was drawn through the dream realm. In a moment, we'll talk about the overlap of the forest and the dream realm to meet this Laia Ikavai. And though he does come, ultimately, um, it is in vain, right? And so that, that is something interesting about, about the forest, about love, about um, initiation. Um, and you know what we what we often think the outcome is going to be is not not the point. It's what happens to us along the way and how we are transformed. So, the story of Laia Ikavai goes on uh, into many other episodes, but it is of note that she lives there in Paliuli, you know, um, and in a house fashioned of the feathers of birds, right? And birds are certainly the guardians of the forest realm as well. So. So we have two stories where Ola'a really, really uh, comes forth as an image of the forest, of this doorway, of this portal into the unknown, into another dimension even, where something is calling us. Yeah, either family is saying, you got to go and do this thing, or a dream comes and you know pulls us 
willingly or not, in, into the forest. Um, and so there's the forest, the forest as the key or the archetype of the forest shows up in many, many mythologies around the world and certainly here in Hawaii. And literally the forest is not the place for everybody, right? You've got the Vaukanaka and we've got the Vawakua. And the people that go into those realms are really specific, right? It's the feather people, the hula people, canoe and ki'i or um, temple image carving people the la'aulapa'au, the medicine people, etc. So it's not just everybody. And usually if you're going into the forest, it's to go get something and come back out, right? Because the forest, is, unlike the Vaukanaka, is not necessarily safe. Yeah, for lack of a better term, it's, it's wild. It's, it's undomesticated and that's part of its essential nature. And yet it's interesting that with Ola'a, we have a settlement that is within this realm. So... That is to say that Ola'a even blurs this uh, dualism between human and the more than human wild. And perhaps we are more integrated and more related than we think. But anyway, when we talk about the forest, as in the story of Hi'iaka, as in the story of Lai'i'i there's this sense of stepping into the unknown, into the unconscious. And that means towards the dream, you know, towards the intuitive towards ancestral memory and the forest is alive of its own accord nobody's fertilizing it and turning on the sprinklers it's got its own regenerative pulse and it's also a place of death and decay that furnishes that same life you know it's dangerous we say in hula be very very careful when you're going in the upland so it's not just a place to you know trot through lackadaisically, but it's there in the forest where the, the things that put us in contact with our deeper instincts lie. And we have figures such as um, Mo'o that, are, that guard these watery places like the forest that are shape-shifting, you know, defying definition, defying boundaries, um, defying binaries like the forest itself, like Ola'a, and seem to both guard as well as guide us at the same time towards um, the things that we fear and through them into um, the real kind of powers and um, dreams that we have inside us. So, um, so Ola'a as kind of like a microcosm of the forest, you know, a concentrated doorway into the forest, but not just the literal forest, but what the forest implies you know, the forest that's inside of all of us, the older, more natural, more ecological, more spiritual and more ancestral parts of us. So, um, yeah, so Ola'a continues to have that kind of fascination, you know, as we, we go up towards Kilauea, towards Hale Ma'uma'u, you know, we're not, we know we're going into a different kind of space. And as you're going up, you know, towards the Val, you see the vegetation shift and it gets more and more native, you know, and these la'au, these uh, plant life and the bird people and the tree people that um, we hear about in Mo'olalo start to really make themselves known and you get a sense that you're, you know, you're not in Kansas anymore, <laughs> okay? So you gotta, um, something else is here. Um, and being in that environment, like I said, has the potential to awaken parts of us that are otherwise dormant, you know, when we're busy checking our Facebook and checking our emails and, you know, paying our bills. And 
usually these stories take us from the kauhale, the kind of uh, inhabited uh, human realm, into something like the forest and then back out. But what is fascinating to me, um, like I said earlier, about Ola'a is that it is smack dab in the middle of there. And there are some of us who are, uh, for whatever reason, genealogically, psychologically, spiritually, uh, impelled to gather around that liminal space, that kind of borderland where things of import move in and out, yeah, right around the kind of doorway that's not for everybody. You know, living at the edge of the forest and living on the slopes of an active volcano is not for everybody. Um, but for those of us who feel called to be there, we know there's something quite magical. And though we might not ever encounter the actual Paliuli, nonetheless, uh, spending a lot of time in the forested region, in Ola or near Ola, for me, uh, has allowed the possibility of a different kind of dreaming to take place. The longer I'm in the forest, the more I'm able to imagine uh, new ways of being, you know, new ways of looking at life itself. And um, I think that's what it is for a lot of us. We go into the forest and we come out and we're changed. Um, and we hopefully come back with the right medicine or the right materials um, to engage with the rest of the world again. Would you mind sharing a little bit about the name Ola'a? Sure. Okay, great. That's a great idea. Um, so even in the name Ola'a, and of course, there's a lot of ways to look at this name. And my relationship to this place name is not as old as some people. For some people, the name Ola'a invokes, you know, um, a lot of nostalgia of the sugarcane time. Because there was a, a, a sugarcane plantation called Ola'a right, in the Kea'au region. And so, again, Ola'a kind of defies boundaries because the, even the area of downtown Kea'au to some people is Ola'a because it's pili to the name of the sugar plantation that was there, that was named Ola'a. Anyway, so, it, you know, for different people, Ola'a means different things and it, it is located in different places. Um, but the name is really interesting to me because it has two kind of deep parts. One is O. You know, to kind of, uh, to, to penetrate, or it's got this idea of piercing or kind of a, to me, this, you know, passing through a, a veil or a meniscus of some kind and to the other side and what's on the other side, I don't know, you know. And then the other word, and there's la'a, which we know means on one level sort of sacred, though the word sacred it has a lot of baggage in it in English that we might be <laughs> missing in translation, but it, you know, for lack of a better term, la'a, means sacred. So if we are piercing through into the sacred, you know, what does that mean? And that really kind of uh, corroborates a lot of what we said is happening in the Mo'olelo, in the Ka'au, that Ola is this place where we can, uh, um, you know, emerge through into a space um, where there is much sacredness, but it's both an external space and an internal space as well. Mm -hmm. Potentially, um, I've heard accounts of it being possibly related to Laka. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you've heard as well? You know, I think I might have heard that. But, you know, La'a and Laka could be very related words in terms of cognates, you know, uh, replacing Okina and Ke. And that would certainly be a very interesting uh, interpretation of that place name if it was O Laka. 
right? Um, and there's many different lakas in the historical and mythological record, but certainly the laka of the forest, the, the deity of Hula. And that would also, again, affirm, I think, what we're saying mythically about the place and about the name, yeah, piercing through into the forest realm. It's interesting, too, because in our contemporary world, um, one of the, the fastest growing places on this island population-wise is, is, are certain parts of Una, including Ola'a mm. and Kiao too. And I wonder, um, it seems really valuable for people who make the choice of moving into this region that you've just described so beautifully, to have that, the knowledge of that place and the background and the understanding mm -hmm. about the traditional ways that people interacted with that particular mm -hmm. space. And, yeah, um, and I wonder, I wonder what how we should proceed with that as people continue to move to that area and maybe not have yeah. that understanding. Yeah, well, again, you know, it, it what you know, once upon a time, it wasn't the typical situation that people were living in large numbers in the uplands with population changes, of course, that shifts. But um, and I think there's good reason because there was a deep understanding of the importance of the watershed and how important the, the upland forests were in regenerating the water supply for the whole island. And, you know, thus in the forest, we have so many embodiments or kinolao of so many different Hawaiian akua, right? Or, um, you know, sacred elemental forms. So anyway, um, I think it's important for all of us to consider is how, how does our, um, our population growth um, and our urban development affect places like the Val that serve or the you know the upland forest the watershed that serve a critical role not just for right where they are but for the whole island um, and yeah you know Puna is such that it's so wide and vast that a lot of people can move in before we start to see the changes all of a sudden so I think we're gonna see some effects from that you know but beyond mitigating negative impacts on the environment and on the um, watershed, I think there's a missed opportunity for people uh, to come all the way to a place like Ola'a and to not be oriented to truly where they are, not only in the way of safety, but just in terms of what could potentially be experienced in a place like that when we have our ka'au to orient us and to know that where we live is potentially where Paliuli is, you know, how does that shift our interaction with landscape? And that's one of the things I'm very fast fascinated with, you know, um, in line with your guys' exploration of Vahipana is how do Ka'au and mythic accounts shift our relationship to place simply by becoming aware of them. Mahalo Nui, Ryan, for sharing all of that mana'o about Ola'a. Um, it gives us a lot to think about especially the different perspectives and the, the transition element of being in Ola'a, importantly noted in those mo'olalo that you shared. So mahalo. Mm -hmm. Mahalo for representing this really special place to so many of us in such a, a powerful and profound way. And it, it definitely makes us reflect deeply on, on our relationship with that particular area, this vahipana of Ola'a. So mahalo for being with us today. It was totally great. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, mahalo for the opportunity to hang out with you guys and keep doing the great work you're doing. It's awesome. We're really appreciative. Mahalo. Mahalo. mahalo what a great start that was to our first episode in the Moku of Puna. Mahalo nui to Ryan for sharing the mo'olelo regarding Ola'a Forest in the uplands, as mentioned in the Ka'au, 
the epic story of Pele and Hi'iaka, as well as in Laiei Kawai. Yes, it was amazing. I'm still processing a lot of what Ryan shared. Not only am I struck by how Ola'a is often mentioned in ancient chants, unlike some of the other Vahipana we've visited in this series, but also by the idea of a vahi or a place having a non-physical dimension, one that defies easy delimitation. I also like how Ryan shared about the importance of the forest as a liminal space, like a portal, an area of both life and death, where casual visitation without a purpose is often discouraged. Yes, and that totally relates to the idea of vow, as Ryan mentioned, which can be loosely defined as zones or realms based on elevation and vegetation, as well as how kanaka or people interact with those spaces and conceive of them. Ryan also shared his interpretation of the meaning of the Enoa Aina of Ola'a, underscoring the sacredness of that place and setting it aside for specific function. Yeah, there's so much to think about. And as we remember how Hi'iaka inv- invited Wahineo Mao from Ola'a to join her on her epic journey, we invite you, our dear listeners, to continue to be our companions on this journey of the lands of Huna and beyond. Yes, mahalo you all for coming on this huaka'i with us and for listening to Kaleo Kauluau. Don't forget to check out our story maps on our blog. Each Kaleo Kauluau episode features an interactive map that you can follow along with. Check out the link in the podcast description or just Google Kaleo o Kauluau. We try our best to put pictures and some informative content on our story maps. It also really helps to get a bearing on our island's geography while listening. And also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for extra bonus content. And with that, mahalo for lending your ears to this episode of Kaleo Kauluau. Please join us again on March 15th for our next adventure in Puna Paya Alaika Hala. Aloha! Ahui ho! Aloha!